to Film Wax Radio. Hey everybody, it's Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. It is Friday, August 6th, 2021, and this is episode number 680 of the podcast. Two segments today, a brand new documentary that opens today called Thou, and uh, followed by a new fiction feature, if you will, called John and the Hole. We have the filmmaker for John and the Hole, but we have with the the film Val, which is a very special documentary. We have the uh, team behind behind that. We have just about everybody except for Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, uh, just not to bury the lead, um, some years ago developed throat cancer. From what I know, if not complete remission, he's in remission. And he's doing quite well. However, he had a procedure called a tracheostomy, which, where he has to speak through a hole in his throat. It has, of course, affected how his, he can speak. So uh, he's not doing press, as far as I know, for this uh, particular film, which is about him. Now, we're going to talk to uh, the two co-directors, Leo Scott and Ting Pu. And then we're also going to speak with Val's children, Jack and Mercedes Kilmer, his son and daughter, who are both very active in the telling of this story, which is done through archive. Turns out Val Kilmer filmed or was being filmed through home movies, and then on his own he filmed using scores and scores of different types of formats over the years because he was always getting the latest technology. Uh, but he's, he filmed so much of his life that there is thousands of these tapes, video cassettes and tapes going back uh, since he was a kid. And so they had to be digitized and, of course, you know, gone through. And I mean, I don't know how much they did, but we're going to talk about that with all these folks. Here's the synopsis of Val, the documentary. For over 40 years, Val Kilmer, one of Hollywood's most mercurial and or misunderstood actors, has been documenting his own life and craft through film and video. He has amassed thousands of hours of footage from 16-millimeter home movies made with his brothers to time spent in iconic roles for blockbuster films like Top Gun, The Doors, Tombstone, and Batman Forever. This raw, wildly original and unflinching documentary reveals a life lived to extremes and a heart-filled, sometimes hilarious look at what it means to be an artist and a complex man. We're going to listen to some of the trailer, of course. But I have to say, this might surprise you, this documentary, if you have, uh, I don't know, any preconceptions about who Val Kilmer is. Maybe you don't. Either way, this is a very entertaining film. So I recommend it. It's on Prime Video as of today, Friday, August 6th. So do not miss the opportunity to see this film. Uh, we're going to first talk to... Leo Scott and Ting Pu, who are the, uh, both of them come from an editing background, but they have, this is their first, I believe their first feature they've directed. I might be wrong. This is the, they've come together to direct this documentary. Then after our conversation, we're going to go into a second conversation with Jack Kilmer, 
Val's son, who actually is, is in a lot of this film. They, I, I was beginning to say before there was two components. There was the archive. I forgot to mention that there was also they shoot contemporary footage of, of Val and his family and how he's spending his time and his career since he's since his health crisis. So Jack does a lot of the voiceover for the reading uh, through diaries of Val's, and it's very effective. And he's just obviously a really doting, loving father, which comes across, and, and it comes across in how uh, his kids talk to me about their dad so i'm looking forward to hearing that so again first up the directors leo scott and ting poo followed by jack kilmer and sister mercedes kilmer and then we'll be back to, to talk about the next segment of the podcast here now leo ting jack and mercedes with val here on film wax radio hi my name's val I don't do this with every interview I go on. Take you inside my home. I don't. But I'm going to. My name is Val Kilmer. I'm an actor. I've lived a magical life. And I've captured quite a bit of it. Yeah, push the button. I was the first guy I knew to own a video camera. Here we are, filming ourselves. Uh, is that a it's video rolling, camera? yeah. Oh, that's really cool, Val. I have thousands of hours of videotapes and film reels that I've shot throughout my life and career. Shut the video camera off. I will keep it on until we're rehearsing. Oh, damn. I was recently diagnosed with throat cancer. I'm still recovering, and it is difficult to talk and to be understood. But I want to tell my story more than ever. It's really nice to meet you guys. You're both editors, correctly? You both come from an editing background? Right. Correct. Yeah, this seems like, I, I mean, the sheer, um, it's like the perfect project for then editors. Although, I, I just talk about a little bit as we start off here, uh, that the amount of archive, because I know that's got to come up all the time in the conversations, but... Val Kilmer seemed to, if not obsessively, he diligently <laughs> shot almost his entire life or it was shot by somebody else like a brother or something. so there's just a huge amount of archive right and uh, that was in his uh storage talk about that experience and then how you dealt with that well we had about uh i think probably 800 hours from val um which consisted of film reels like every format imaginable yeah. um throughout time <laughs> and and uh and then we and then we between what we shot and what we sourced ourselves was probably another additional 200 hours um, oh right because of course right there's but um yeah okay, i mean yeah, right. of course. it was just like it was like a trip through through tech technological history really um and the evolution of like the home recording uh, and we had to source ways to digitize some of it. We'd you, eBay old cameras just to just to be able to play. Yeah, how did you get into a little bit more? Just out of my curiosity, Leo or the Pink, like uh, like how what equipment wise, how you you managed with all these different formats, for instance. Yeah, it, it, it is actually the... really it is actually really difficult, you know, because. I mean, firstly, I'll say to add to what Ting just said, like Val was always at the forefront of technology. So he was the first one to get whichever camera, you know, you know, yeah. there's every, uh, so, and he, there must have been 
it's not just a thousand hours of stuff altogether, but ranging over whatever 25 different formats or more. And that many. Probably, yeah, because technology changes quite a lot. And we're talking about audio yeah. tapes, CDs, as well as, and all the different versions of film, 8, 16, 35, you know, Super 16. It's, so, so there's a lot, of, a lot of different formats. And it is actually very difficult because a lot of these old, um, old formats are defunct. So we'd have to yeah. source old three-quarter inch. Um, we had to buy a high eight camera. We had to, you know, like, right. and then a lot of these decks are out of commission. So you'd, you'd, you'd buy one and then it wouldn't work. So you'd have to find another one. And um, was this a lot of, uh, a lot of time on uh, eBay and social media? Yeah. Just sort of like, Basically, kind of, yeah. my God, right. That's it. Yeah. I mean, uh, so was this all like in a, in his like in a uh, storage room or, or or i mean at the beginning i think we see it he kind of walks you through there right val and so you yeah, had they, to buy equipment or borrow yeah i mean he was keeping it in storage but it was like this I first started digitizing this stuff um in a back in 2015 right. he had it delivered to his place a lot of it and then over the course of like nine months um, digitizing just single boxes at a time but a single box could take over a month you know because there could be so many things inside it was and it was it was a huge a huge process um but you know it was he you know he'd been he he was kind of really wanting to get it into digital format before all these things withered away um sure and did, because as he was going through his life and he was shooting it he may not have even been able to sort of keep his mind wrapped around well how am I going to play all this back one day or how are people in the future? Cause I'm making it for something or maybe it wasn't about that. Maybe it was just about the moment being in the moment for him. Did you have a conversation with him about that? Well, there, there was uh, within the archive, you know, as we mentioned in the film, there are like a lot of other films he's been making. It's not just him, him just filming his own experiences. You know, there's obviously, okay. and, then, and there's family videos and records of, of our kids that, which we, we all make now, but he was doing them, you know, on, 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 um, camera home, home recordings of them, but there's lots of documentaries we're making and making during Top Gun. He was after Top Gun, he made an anti-nuclear, uh, film on 16 millimeter. He toured over the world with a small crew and, and then during Red Planet, he was making an environmental movie right. and there's Amazing. probably 200 tapes on that film alone. And so that the, it wasn't just like a, his own kind of, I understand. I understand, yeah. but he, he, I wasn't sure if he was giving thought to like how one would deal with this enormous task of actually like dealing with the, like you guys ultimately did do. Um, and pardon me, by the way, guys, for focusing on the tech side of this, but it is so impressive uh, because the story I want to let people know, and I'm sure in my conversation with the offspring that I will get in more into the emotional side of this story, but it is a very powerful emotional story of a man who's a committed artist and father and that's all that and he just he's such an authentic living it means so much to him to live authentically and and that comes through in in this but i was really just like really curious about workflow <laughs> yeah it's it's nice for us actually to talk about this aspect yeah, okay. it's a big part of not yeah. you know it's not something that everyone's so specifically interested in it's it's it is a story in itself so 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 as you're you must have had some days where you just sort of had to say, let's get some pot because 
let's have to, because I'm just so stressed out by all of this. Con- so did you, but did you, how did you approach the uh, uh, a box? Were you just thinking as you're going? Did well, okay, let me Let me get out of my own way here for a second. Let me pose this as a question. Did you guys have a story in mind going into this or did you say, let this content tell the story? It was more, I would say, let the content tell the story. I mean, we knew we wanted to give, a, like, tell the scope of his life and, and his trajectory as an actor and an artist. Right. Um, but I, I, I know what you're saying. Um, it would be intermittent. So as a lot of the stuff when I started was, was already, it like, digitized. And so, okay. so, but, you know, the, probably about a third of it, we were still going through. And so you're, you just start by watching basically and, and, and organizing in some kind of chronological order, but like eventually you have to start sketching. And so when, when we'd come across something that, felt like a seminal moment or or something that like this is definitely like a scene that needs to be be in there um and what uh we would just do a sketch of that scene and so it was more like molding little scenes of clay you know before actually refining um I don't know if that helps. totally. Thank you, Ting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, all this is terrific. Um, and 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 your advantage. I mean, you know, a lot of people use archive, and their subject has passed on or has died, and you have the great advantage of, of somebody who can actually you can get some guidance for because I'm sure he he also had his input, right? How, what was exactly. his input I mean, in this? That yeah. was the fantastic part about it is because we could make these sketches and then show them to him. Yes. And and then get his his you know telling of that experience and that his you know words behind what was happening there and and kind of draw from you know we draw from you know the stories he would tell us off the things that we would show him. Um, so there was a lot of back and forth, and we we're lucky to have that. How much was Val involved in? this stage of editing making the film really telling the story a part of making the film so we know that you had all this archive and you sort of sketched or molded as you said the 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 the, into a into a realized story was he or did you like show him the final cut or you know did he go to the first festival right um um, how did that and what what did he make of it well we went to him with a you know, I, uh, with this idea and uh, our approach was we wanted to do something that felt very subjective and in sort of in the first person. Uh-huh. We made a little three-minute sizzle um, to show what it could look like, how it could feel in a very shorter time length and took that to Val. And he really, he really got it, really enjoyed it. He really understood it. And then, you know, because of the nature of it, it was going to require his involvement to, because we, we are putting the story in the first person. We wanted his involvement. So he was great at giving, giving Clearly. us time so he could help take us through the sequences and give his point of view on things as Ting just mentioned. Um, so we, we really wanted that, that involvement. And, you know, it was a kind of case that he would, you know, because we were filming as well in the present days, so we'd, 
we always treated the 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 film that the headquarters of the film was more in the edit room and find and for the current day photography we were finding what would be helpful to weave into sequences we're building from the archival so it was always built out from a timeline mm-hmm. um and um Val would come into the edit and he would have you know he would have <laughs> contributions and sure and you know fun ideas and you know so it was it was very much a a collaboration and a journey into his past and and working with him in the present but he really did give us freedom to to explore like there was really nothing that was off limits and and we really could just you know cut any kind of scene we wanted and sort of give our take on it and present it to him and Mm -hmm. and be like is this is this true to your experience and that's what we really tried to stick to as sort of our north star is like are we reflecting these scenes in a way that's true to how you how you experience them um well again this is uh, the name of the film is called Val the documentary it's directed by Leo Scott and Ting Fu and I want to emphasize again that it's really uh for anybody who thinks they know Val Kilmer or um has some some idea of who this person is and it's gonna it's gonna be a a great experience to watch because it'll it'll definitely uh shake you up some way shake, shake up your your notions or your preconceptions um was there an, a val kilmer that emerged through the process of making the film that you kind of discovered that you you know was um different than or just ran was sort of juxtaposed against the actual guy or i don't know that's kind of a pithy question right it's I just guess I wondered if there was something or maybe uh, is there something like you were getting from this guy that maybe you introduced to Val that maybe he wasn't as self-aware or you something you wanted to challenge him with anything like that? Am I, is that, I'm not really asking the question very well. I, you know, you, I remember first meeting Val, whatever, Uh maybe 10 years ago and I had a preconceived idea who he would be and, and, um, so what was that what was that if i can ask you i kind of thought he would be an aggregate of some of the characters i'd seen because i hadn't seen so many interviews and i I thought he could be sort of a bit of the coolness of iceman type feeling you know but i will say it was like my favorite film i did love tombstone as well and i i I kind of just i pictured I didn't realize what an artist he was. I really had had no idea how creative he was, how spiritual. And I also didn't know how damn funny he is as well. It was hilarious human. And so I, I you know, I was getting to know him and work with him. I got to understand him more and more. And, and um, you know, when you look also back through his life in video, you get to formulate, understand the life he's had and how that's played into who he is. Yeah. You said it brilliantly right then. Um, and the lack of self-consciousness in the current footage that you took during real time, you know, like of him and, you know, obviously he was this young, beautiful, uh, perfect looking guy, you know what I mean? He was stunning. And he, uh, um, you know, and now he's struggling, medi- you know, he's gone through this huge health crisis with the throat cancer. And then, you know, he's has the tracheostomy and he's speaking through, I mean, it's not, but he doesn't seem to apologize for any of that. It's, it's, it's a great portrayal of the guy, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, he, he's, I mean, I think that's the thing that surprised me the most. You know, I was pretty, I was pretty intimidated the first time I met him. And, and I was just really just taken aback by how open and immediately loving he is when he meets somebody. Um, he's genuinely present with his heart. You. Yeah, like he, he, he was, he'll walk into the room and he's in the room, like with you, like it's not, there's, there's no um, separation or, or um, real defense. I understand. That, that you would expect from a celebrity of, of his caliber. Um, so, I mean, that for me was, was the biggest part is kind of seeing the same person that was re- being revealed through all this footage, like a, an incredibly loving father and incredibly like creatively alive person um, in the footage and in the room with me as well. Uh, so, yeah, agreed. You know, thank you guys so much and good luck with this documentary. I want a lot of people to see it. So thank you so much. It was a great you. meeting you both. Nice meeting you. Thank you. I spent decades finding my voice. I was a perfectly normal person. Through characters. I gave you about four takes with some different voices. Through movies. (laughs) One of the things they they buy for all that money. Your life for a period of time. I have behaved poorly. All white. All brown. All women. I have behaved bravely. Bizarrely to some. How do you heal a broken heart? I see myself as a sensitive, intelligent human being, but with the soul of a clown. I've tried to see the world as the one they survive. It's a story about my life, but it's also not my life. I want to thank uh, all my Patreon subscribers, including James Oxford, Sidney Stern, Holly Kulka, Marion Brown, Jim Infantino, Madeline Olnick, Vanessa Gould, Josh Crockett, Aaron West, Natalie Ortiz, Ron Coves, Lori Lusthaus, and Sujiwa Ekanayaka. Thank you to them for as little as $3 a month. $3 a month. You can become a subscriber to the show. Just go to patreon.com slash filmwaxradio and enjoy the privileges that only a subscriber to Filmwax can enjoy. For instance, I just posted a expanded 40-minute conversation with actor-director Tim Robbins. There's a 20-minute version of that conversation for the public, but you as a subscriber for $5 or more a month get exclusive content. Also, we are moving towards a new model where I will only have the last 100 episodes of the podcast in the public purview. Meaning, if you go to the website or on any of the podcast apps, you can only listen to the last 100. In order to see the rest, you have to be a Patreon subscriber, which you'll only need $3 or more in order to do. $3 a month or more. Um, this way we have a little bit of, uh, of monetary in- income for doing the show, which requires not so much an investment in technology as it does just the sheer amount of time and effort in order to do a show of the 
quality dare I say that I do so I decided that I, I should start to pay myself a little through those who love the show if you're a listener and you do enjoy it kick in a few shekels 10 years going strong and we started the show in September of 2011 so we're coming up to the anniversary all right well thank you for listening very much I appreciate it now on to the show Nice to meet you guys. Hello, Adam. Nice this is kind of be a little kooky for you guys doing this, right? <laughs> yeah. A, I, I imagine this topic is slightly close to your hearts. I don't know. It's just a guess on my part. Absolutely. <laughs> Were you aware about the, the sheer volume of video and film that your dad had shot over the or was shot, was shooting over the course of his of his life of career? Yes. Yes. We were very aware. But we I were not... the subject of all of this footage. Um, so we've always, I remember, yeah, he used to just, I used to just run away from him when I was a kid all the time. Right. And if you've watched the movie, there's this gap in our teenage years where there isn't much footage. <laughs> right, exactly. And after we emerged from our teenage years, we, I was really shocked to find, to actually see all the footage in you know, VHS tapes and film canisters, and it was all consolidated into one vault in in uh, some crummy studio in, in Culver City. <laughs> <laughs> but even going back, I mean, you know, his childhood, right? And, and home movies to, like, shooting on the sets of all the films and, um, you know, high school. I mean, he's just, it's really yeah. remarkable. Right. A lot of that I hadn't seen. I hadn't seen a yeah. lot of his stuff from the 60s. How was it? was so cool to see for me. So cool. And by the way, there's so much more. Like, there's so there, much. There's going to be, there were, yes. There's, a, there's boxes for, that I, you haven't opened yet that we don't know. There's mystery boxes. Mystery and boxes. Wanted, Let's open I, them now. <laughs> cool. We, in the film, there's 200 different types of video footage in the movie. If you sign, if you buy tickets tomorrow night, we will send you a box of just footage <laughs> that you can that's open. That's the general audience. Yeah. <laughs> I've, seen the, I've seen it, of course. I watched it. I, I would never do this without having. I would know. I was very moved. In fact, I just came out of a conversation with uh, Leo and Ting. I kind of focused on the, the workflow part of it because the, it's fascinating to me. There's like, you know, but I mean, the advantage they had, of course, is dad is still alive and well, so he could participate in the whole process with them you know he if it's, somebody it's a lot of people ex- like, go ahead Mercedes I'm sorry oh, I was gonna say it's pretty extraordinary that and I like I really mean this that like I've never heard of a documentary like this where filmmakers have a had access to such a oh full archive um my dad's such a psycho always since the 60s had like the newest technology He's always been so interested like in making movies in every way, not just being in them, which I don't think a lot of people know about him. And, and, and maybe it's un- really unprecedented to have access to the archive, such a, a robust archive of a public figure, then right. to have such a great working relationship with them too, and to have full permission access. to use right. everything. And yeah. then to happen to have, to follow my dad through this really pivotal shift in his career with a diagnosis of when he got diagnosed with cancer to watch, to, to be still rolling through that and to capture all of that on film. And it's really like, I keep saying this, but I'll say it again. Like 
I think for any great film, there has to be like the talent and technique of the filmmakers and everything. And then there's all that magic that you can't make happen where you just have to be there to get capture what is happening in real life. And they had all of those things like with this. So it's pretty extraordinary that they, the what technically they were able to accomplish as well and that they had access to it. If I can go over a little sensitive part of his story, dad's story, um, obviously you're there, you're, you're old enough to appreciate and to be uh, supportive and there for your dad during his health crisis, which was throat cancer and, and his recovery. But uh, going back to the big loss that he had as a child where his brother died, which obviously was perhaps the most impactful experience in his life up to maybe your births. <laughs> did you have a, a, quite the insight? Did you, did, how much did you guys... Had you seen that first of all that home those home movies yet? Had were those already available? Because we didn't. You know, yeah. ahead, we hadn't seen those. We had a, we had some, you know, relics from the seventies of like his clothes or my, or um, a few photographs and, but yeah, it was extremely devastating for my dad and his family and and uh, you know I think a, a really a big part of there's will be a part of him that is will always be in the seven in the stuck there yeah. stuck there you know and but he uh, really, my question to yeah. you though i'm sorry to interrupt you but just no. i don't want to interrupt you but just my question i guess is is did you did it open the window to some degree even further did you learn about dad through um, no i think we we no. grew up with a lot of our our uncle wesley's are around okay we watched like a lot of those films that they okay. um that they they were filmed like the great race that you know they're doing like recreations of scenes from that movie and a lot of those movies like we watched too so we had i think my Mm -hmm. dad really like always did want us to kind of understand that part of his life and i definitely grew up feeling like a, a palpable like you know that that his brother did have a presence in my life although we never got to meet him and wesley is really the key to this movie into my dad psyche in a lot of ways because you know he even though Wesley's his younger brother he really looked up to Wesley because Wesley was the filmmaker and the actor and and the performer and and the artist he was very talented at drawing and my dad that's all that's all those things I just listed are like my dad's life mission (laughs) to be good at right so his whole all I think all he's been trying to do his whole life is just live up to the talent that his brother had really or maybe i don't i mean you know far be it for me to guess uh, play therapist here but maybe to continue yeah. it yeah and to uh, oh yeah yeah to, to, yeah. to honor that absolutely yeah. and i think he really film, like he does a really good job of that yeah he does like still to this day he's like if he sees something he likes he thinks oh would wesley would probably like that and um but yeah, you kind of build this person in your mind of who he must have been. And that's, and just what, the, see, that's what the movie is the footage, about, yeah. like, is about memory and, doc. you know, trying this, like, almost fight against loss with d- documentation. And I think also mem- memoriam um, and, and how, like, I, I, that's why I think it's, uh, you know, e- even for people that are not really familiar with our dad's work and whatever I, I think it's really like universally speaks to people because we're all engaged with this kind of 
race against time or this documenting all of our lives on Instagram and everything. And I think it's like a really, really relevant to the times right now. Um, and it is also just like such a good story about family and about and yeah, it's a great American story, you know, about <laughs> family. It is. I and did you know your grandfather? By the way, did you know him? I don't. We never met. We never met Gene. No. Okay. I yeah, a little. I think I'm trying to remember how old I was when he passed. You might um, have met him recently. Yeah. You, I did, but I don't. I didn't really. I didn't have a relationship with him. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, he died when we when we were really young, or when I was really young. So we didn't get to know him. Hmm. What did you think of the final product, by the way? The of film, the film, the finished film, Val. It's called Val, by the it's, way, and yeah. it's it's currently in some select theaters, and it's going to be on Amazon, Amazon Prime. So it's called Amazon. I'm not familiar with it, but it, it's, I've heard of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. as of August sixth, we're just putting that out there. So look ahead. What did you think of the finished? Film. you know you love i don't know it was okay <laughs> it's all right no it was amazing i would give it you know five five out of five bags of popcorn if, and nice. throw some throw a few pepsis in there large pepsis and yeah butter the popcorn yeah but yeah and put some butter on the popcorn too yeah yeah <laughs> the film i have to say the film is extraordinary i am such a private person i'm very protective of my family and as you will see in the movie on august 6th stream on amazon prime you will see that you know when my dad the height of his fame was really like the climax of the power of the print media the beginning of the internet it was the most vicious time for paparazzi um in history like actors celebrities like will never be have so much more agency now like that was a really rough time that my dad lived through this really insane um fame and 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 being photographed and stuff so I've always really shied away from all of that stuff and and it's always been the nightmare of my life to have something like this made and then it turned out as soon as we met Leo like all of those fears of like everything of all of our private footage being public, like became the absolute opposite. And I couldn't be more proud to share this with people. I think it's, it's such a beautiful, incredible movie. And just on a personal level, it was so powerful to see our dad who's often been like misunderstood in the media to see him, to see such a comprehensive and and loving and accurate for the first time oh, portrait of him has right? been extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, I didn't, I try not to be judgy, but, you know, we all do kind of buy into the media message on some level. It's hard not to. And, you know, he was difficult. And, you know, this, uh, you know, what you saw is such a level of, well, first of all, such a committed father, first and foremost, and then, and brother, and, and then um, artist, you know, and it's like the big problem, as far as I could tell, was how do you take the Hollywood career and fit it into your authentic commitment to art making? That's totally. a challenge because that doesn't respect the other. Yeah. There's a clash there. Yet your dad managed, for the most part, to honor that. I mean, that's well, he's always been point. real a real serious, like intellectual actor, but he's also always had a real yeah, love. That, he's from Chatsworth. He's from the Valley. Like he's always had a real love for entertainment and Hollywood movies. 
yeah. and and of movies like of the people like mm-hmm. he's really trained in Juilliard and he he could have done like this kind of elitist uh you know more academic acting but he's really loves like actually bringing genuine entertainment to like the masses but it's it's been like quite hard to reconcile for him I think and I think the audience goes into us Mark Twain one man show by the way which is again that seems you know to kind of it makes sense I mean this in terms of his his approach or his values that that the Mark Twain thing which is a one man play makes more sense but he, you're right. I think you're, he, I can understand also he wants to connect to the mass audience. Yeah. And Twain right. did that. Twain was the first kind of first <laughs> proper stand-up comic. It's <laughs> a good point. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. He is, he, he just didn't have uh, the same resources that dad had. Yeah, your dad had. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a, I have a son. So I'm very, I, I just, I really, you know, connected with him as a father and that I really, appreciated that and your both of your participation jack obviously you lent your your very voice to the film and or you you played your father as a in voice work and in, in the movie it's very it was a great great choice to go that direction you know bravo to you both for for participating in what might have been a very you know i'm sure it wasn't uh entirely without its moments but it's it's uh well done, you know. What can I tell you, Adam? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So good luck with the rest of your press work there. And uh, are you gonna, are you going to show? Did you guys go to any screenings or did you? Oh, we're going tomorrow. I mean, yeah, okay. tomorrow night at the DGA is the the premiere in LA. Yeah. Oh, very good. But we Thank went you. to Cam. Um, we just saw it in Cam, which is extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, it was at. That's oh, incredible. I wish I could have been there myself. Well, I uh, wasn't invited. All right. Well, nice meeting you both. So nice to talk to you. Same. Same. Take care. Bye. IFC Films is pleased to present the psychological coming-of-age thriller, John in the Hole, directed by visual artist Pasquale Sisto, one of Variety's ten directors to watch of 2021, in his feature debut, a selection of the Cancel 2020 Cannes Film Festival, and featured in the 2021 Sundance Film Festival in competition, John in the Hole will open, on, uh, will open today in select theaters 
and everywhere films are rented. In this enigmatic and unsettling meditation on adolescent angst, 13-year-old John, played by young actor Charlie Shotwell, discovers an unfinished bunker while exploring the neighboring woods, a deep hole in the ground. Seemingly without provocation, he drugs his affluent parents, played by Michael C. Hall and Jennifer Ely, and older sister Teresa Farmiga, holding them captive within the bunker as they anxiously await for John to free them from the hole. The boy returns home where he can finally enjoy and explore a newfound independence. Here we go. First time on the show, Pasquale Sisto on Film Wax Radio. Last month, John asked me something. It's a weird question. He wanted to know what it's like to be an adult. Can you please stop? When do you stop being a kid? I didn't know what to tell him. I don't think he liked that. Can you tell your mother I'm here? No. She left. This is your life, John. This is what you want to do. This could be who you are. How's your day going, sir? Good, good. It's the beginning of the week, and it's finally the release of the film, so that's exciting. Congratulations. That is a big deal, right? Yeah, thank Uh, you. Where are you right now? I'm in Brooklyn, in New York. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. And I know I've heard. Yeah, of it. it's uh, it's next to Queens. Uh, okay. JFK, you know, yeah, got Isabel. It. Got it. Got it. Right. Normally I'd be down there, but I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm up a little north of the city these days. And um, but I'm coming down next week. So if you could wait till then, we could do this in person. I prefer that. I would too, as well, actually. I'm, I'm craving in-person things these days. Oh, yeah. Well, you'll, you should have it. You're going to be in uh, select theaters too, right? Obviously. So you're. Right, you're yeah. going to be in theaters uh, <clears throat> the sixth, uh, <clears throat> right? So, yeah. are you going to be doing some while you're in New York? Are you doing some uh, Q and A's? Well, that's up in the air right now because obviously right. the Delta variant is coming in, so yeah. they have other plans for us. So it's been a little bit of a day by day thing. I, uh, I, I was going to be in LA actually because it was also showing at the New Art Theater, which I've always yeah. loved and been there plenty of times. Uh, so we're kind of waiting. I think we're actually having a call today, maybe to discuss it, mm-hmm. uh, but nothing is set yet. So, yeah, well, I'm sorry for the stress. Cause I'm sure, you know, it probably seemed very likely things were going in a really positive direction for a while. Now we're back into this sort of limbo period, but we'll make it through and people right. should know that John and the whole is going to be premiering on August 6th, no matter what. So. Right. Uh, now it premiered at Cannes mm-hmm. and then it went to Sundance. Yes. So um, that's pretty good track record right there, isn't it? Yeah, no, I mean, it's hard to beat. Uh, it's definitely. <laughs> you can't beat it. Actually. You can't. You can't. Uh, There's no hard. I think yeah. there, it was, I mean, yeah, starting with Cannes, it was like already set the bar tremendously and it was like really helpful for the film because it came at the darkest time in our recent history, just in the middle of the pandemic. So it was like, Nobody knew what was going to happen with theaters. Nobody knew if we could ever release this film or if it would be just straight to streaming with not any chance to be shown in festivals. And so it was a 
a very dark time in general uh, yeah. at all levels. And I think psychologically, it was like the light at the end of the tunnel that somehow yeah. uh, helped us get through to this in a way. Well, fortunately, this subject matter is funny. <clears throat> it's a musical comedy. It's called... No, it's not. It's, it's actually not. <laughs> That's funny, Nico. We always joke about musical comedies because uh, <laughs> it, it would be the biggest challenge to make ever because it's probably the polar opposite of, of what we are. But right. one day, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a disturbing s- story. But, it, you know, um, uh, you have such great actors. And uh, I was thinking as I was reading about, about the film too, is uh, the, you know, the young actor who plays John uh, is played by Charlie uh, Shotwell. His name is Charlie Shotwell. And, um, you know, he's, uh, I guess the premise, right? He, he comes across this well, which is somewhere close to his parent, his house, where he's growing, where his family lives. Hey, I have a question about that, 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 lo- that uh, location, actually. What, can you talk about, just like I'm just curious from a I guess a technical standpoint, I guess, was how did you set that up and did you I mean I clearly you you created this location, right? I mean mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was I mean, there were many different variations of how it was gonna happen. The first okay. one was we just dig a hole and we just do it the way that <laughs> yeah. you know it's scripted. Right. Uh, then we realized that there's logistical problems with the fact that anything that you build below six feet, I believe needs some structural support. So then it would be almost like the same cost as building a parking lot, you know, like an underground parking lot, you would need retaining walls and you would need like a certain amount of concrete. So it became like engineering suddenly rather than set design. Uh, So that kind of killed that idea. And and then we knew that we wanted, uh, I mean, I initially wanted them to be contained there as much as possible. I mean, with, with Jennifer and, and Michael C. Hall and Thaisa, we, we even discussed that. And I'm like, I would have loved to have kept you there, you know, and have to race you and lower you every time and just have this physicality to the space. Uh, but then we also wanted to have control over the camera and like the lighting, be able to match the lighting with the outside. So we shot in a stage um, and we built the whole Jacqueline Abrahams, the production designer, did an incredible job at, at making it feel less concrete as possible even though it was not and just uh create this sort of like brutalist bunker space um that we initially discussed and then from there we um let me add a notification thing so get that out of the way but um and then of course we needed the exterior because then it was like going to be a conversation of how to integrate the exterior with the interior and then how to be able to work with that because obviously the actor or John Charlie Shotwell's outside looking down at the family in a stage yeah, somewhere else in somewhere else in Massachusetts a right. week later uh, and how they could have this conversation and we knew that a lot of it was going to be like a cut reverse shot type of thing that they were yeah. looking up and then we get the reversal shot so uh, yeah it was frightening in a way to think of doing this uh, as well but then And then an added issue that we had that we actually did not have the exterior location of the hole until like around three days before we started shooting. So, you know. Wow. Okay. So just so people understand, (laughs) you got the, you've shot, you have this house you found in Massachusetts outside Cambridge or in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lincoln, Massachusetts. Say? 
Lincoln, Massachusetts, actually, Lincoln, to be, Massachusetts. to be, yeah. Okay. And then you have, is that a Boston suburb? Yeah, it's close to Cambridge still. So it's like, oh, yeah. Okay. Right. So uh, you have that, you have the house. So you have those, you shot the exteriors and the interiors, obviously with this house. It's very mm-hmm. spacious, light air, right? Yeah. Great, great house to film in, I'm sure. And then you have the well, which is supposed to be again behind the house. And then, but it turns out that that probably was a different place, of course. Mm-hmm. Then Much inside, farther than behind yes. the house. <laughs> and then <inside laughs> 30 minutes, was, 30 minutes he, in by he, car. He drugs his family, this young boy, and he gets, gets on a bus. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's complicated, but he manages to get them while they're unconscious into the into the hole and then you have the scenes in there which you already described so there's all and then you have the just when what what appears to be the spot by uh, this unfinished project which was somebody had who had lived there before it was building a bunker and never finished it so yeah yeah so it's sort of the outside area of that well so these are all different very complicated yeah i mean it's a it's very simple on one hand because like in the narrative it's just a house right yeah. And behind the house, there's maybe some public forest land that he walks into and then right. he finds this land. Uh, so narratively speaking, it's very simple. But then, of course, you know, like we said, we had to do this, the interior of the hole in a stage. And then we had to find the exterior, which needed to be like an open clearing in a forest that where we could build potentially like a shorter version of the hole, which we ended up building, like, a, I believe, a five to six foot uh, version of it. Uh, just so we could put the camera and like shoot up at, at uh, John. Right, right. right and right. then, so that happened somewhere else. And, and we did have, it's not that we didn't have a location until three days before the shoot. We did have a location. It wasn't ideal. We weren't loving it, but we had something. And then in the process of, you know, doing the whole pre-production, we found this incredible location. Actually, again, Jacqueline Abraham mm-hmm. drove back, past it and found something. And then we we had this memorable moment that we both walked and then it wasn't perfect. And then I kept walking and, and, and I'm like, what about behind that tree? And we kept walking. And, and then we had this conversation at the end. And she's like, wow, if we wouldn't have been like, no, no, it's got to be something else behind and walked an extra half a mile per se, we would never have found it because it was a little secluded. Uh, and it used to be some type of shooting range, something. So there's these like pillars, concrete pillars that to me, when we found it, it looked like some ancient ruins, you know, but they were in concrete. So it's obviously as if we would leave ruins for the future generations. It would be our ruins for the future. So it already had a very sort of mysterious aura to this place. Right. right. Yeah, so we immediately... Interesting. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that we immediately responded to it and we're like, wow, this is much more than we had anticipated in a way. And it's already perfect as is. So all we have to do is, of course, bring a few more props around and dress it up a little bit and then, and then actually create the outer hole which is just this outer like the lip part that's sticking out of it yeah, yeah, uh, yeah right and we did so and we were able to i think it's because there was supposed to be maybe underwater wells and like some other things so we we were lucky that i, I believe we built or we went down five feet and then we kept digging and it was starting to get moist so there oh. might have been yeah. some like eventually you get to like more on you know we Ground wouldn't be able and, to be there yeah, uh, yeah exactly so so that once we locked that in then it was much easier not easier it's something that became in the editing with sarah shaw our editor that uh we did great in being able to integrate all these places together well it would be a a mistake not to mention like what people might be wondering who haven't seen the film yet like why why would he put his family in in this well well that's what the film is getting at and and you you i read in the notes that it's described at least in in your words as 
something called affluenza, which I was a term I wasn't familiar with, but do you want to just sort of, I mean, I kind of look like this kid is, seems like he's empty, you know, mm-hmm. and he needs to fill this. You know, yeah. I mean, you get metaphorical about it. Right. If you, you, you could take it in that sense as well, that there's obviously something, some sense of numbness or something that's lacking that he doesn't quite, he's not quite able to point it out or to figure it out. So, so well, he's very young. Yeah. Yeah. And, but we're also, that's why the whole film is like, we don't know as well. I wanted to approach the film in a way that we're with him. We're at the same pace as he is. And we're trying to find things out the same way he is. And a lot of times you don't find things out and you're still coping with it and you're still trying to understand it. And for me, there's a lot of emotionally emotional content that you can take from it and to be able to possibly figure out later on. Uh, but, but it was important that we weren't into like this, good and bad or this dichotomy of like good versus evil or he did this and this caused that action reaction it wasn't so much about that it was more about of course there's a lot of things that were beneath the surface and probably unseen and unspoken and not even on the film that were present that led him to do this uh the point is that something some sense of numbness led him to do this and he did it and he responded in a very right brain uh reptile brain like lower brain kind of intuitive action and then he had to cope with the consequences of that so he had to learn to figure out what to do with and, and take action for uh take response for his actions so um in in some ways it's that's a bit of what the film is about i think i went on a tangent from your initial <laughs> no, uh, no 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 it's fun it's good so so yeah so in a way it's like it was always really important for us to like approach it in a way oh the affluenza that was what's lacking uh it's not really about affluenza but in the process that we were writing the script or nico was writing the script and i was getting involved in the last drafts of it with him and discussing the more like the production aspects of it uh i remember that we read this case of the affluenza kid right so it was in the news at the time it's not a bad i mean i I, well, you know what we're get, what you get at. I mean, I, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, but you know when you have all your need, I, I I love this concept because if you uh, have all your needs met and you 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 need like that's uh, as a parent. I don't know. Are you a parent? I'm soon to be actually oh. in a few months. So okay, yeah, I'll have to deal with that in my own way. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's a matter of it's constantly this this uh, balance of like how much do you want your kids to have to suffer, right? Because a little suffering now can actually create a stronger, more confident, confident Completely. individual who knows they have the capacity to work out problems on their own. So you have to feed them and, you know, let them experience. Yeah, let them fall. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes, you know, being called names, it's never a nice thing, but sometimes they have to figure that r- r- negative relationships out because we have endless ones as we are. Right uh, in our adult lives. No, and, and um, right. Uh, yeah, it, for me, it it builds character, and it's something that it's yes, like completely. I mean, actually, there's two cases and two articles that relate to this in a way. I believe uh, I don't know if they're both from the New York Times, but then first it was the affluenza kid was more general news that it was some kid that ran over a bunch of people or had this accident that they I, I believe like I don't know the specifics of it now, but it was like he got trialed of it, and then the lawyer came up with this word it's not a word that exists that he mixed influenza with affluence yeah it's great. Uh, and then created this thing that he's like because he had so much he's not able to empathize in a way and he's not able to to see the consequences of his actions and he, they were trying to get him out of it because of this because of this right. innocence and naivety 
which in a way, sure, there's some level of understanding to that, but also you look at the victim standpoint and it's a completely different thing. And how, how was he able to get to that state is the problem. But uh, so that, that was, I mentioned it in a few cases because there was something of the class conversation about John being in an upper middle class. And, you know, of course there's a level of affluence, but then there's another article that I remember reading also in the process. So these were not part of the genesis of the project. These were not part of the no, like, no, they, initial. It was adapted from a short story that had nothing to do with those. Exactly. Came out so, yeah. But we read this thing and I love working on any project that of course, anything you see is related to the project somehow. The moment yeah. you start working on it, everything is about the project. Yeah. Uh, so then this other article came in the New York Times about this. Uh, they talk about the previous generation being this helicopter parenting of how parenting sort of like hovering around, making sure you didn't do anything bad. But this newer generation, there's a lot of uh, snowplow parenting, they call it. And it's about like a snowplow machine, just clearing the way before the kids walk the path. So it would yeah. clear any bumps or any obstacles. So when they walk, it's like an easy journey. However, the consequences of that in the long run are probably like we're saying, they're probably much more problematic. Right, when you because hit that things... road that's not been plowed, then you don't, yes. like now, <laughs> how do I move forward? I can't. Exactly. You don't see beyond the obstacles yeah. and it. They might have a total dramatic and they might create a bigger problem than you ever had if you had to fall down get hurt I mean when I was a kid I would fall most of my moments of greatest learning was when I made mistakes in a way like I fell I was climbing and I fell down a cliff and then I was like okay maybe I should be more careful next time like yeah right exactly so it, it is in those moments that you really learn well you don't have a helicopter in the film or helicoptering but you have a drone, a drone. Yeah. Yeah, which is, <laughs> but I kind of felt like this age where john is at there's a lot of anxiety because you're entering you know into adulthood uh, young and and with the and that uh all that that brings the, the, the anxiety that that brings it's a lot of it's it is um having raised a child i mean it's um you know a scary time when you're all of a sudden there's a lot of responsibility that comes with growing up and he's on that cusp you know mm -hmm. So there, this is a psychological horror film story, but, and I see it, you know, it's like, a, it's an, an extension of what, and it may be an, an exaggeration on some level of what somebody at that age and that time might be feeling. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, completely for me, we always talked about it as being a psychological coming of age film in a way, because it is like, or thriller within, but uh, because it is, it's a state that, from the outside, most people be like, oh, you're just a kid, deal with it, it's fine, you know, it's not that, but it is like, you know, you're yeah. going through all these emotions, you're going through this, you're learning everything, you're learning your sense of morality, you're learning your intellect, you're developing your intellect, your way of conversation, manipulation, like all these things that are coming into play that you're not familiar with, so and it's all... Dad isn't, you know, they're not, you know, you got to go to the bathroom by yourself, <laughs> nobody's there to wipe your butt, you know. Right. It's scary. You know, it's like all these things I have to do. I'm, you know, it's responsibility for self. It's awareness of self and mm -hmm. all that, that the impact of all that on you, you know. Right. Um, uh, yeah, completely. I mean, uh, and he decides to accelerate that process a right. little more than yeah. normally we would do. You know, you would go That's true. at a slower pace and he just creates an event that accelerates this and, and, and makes it happen all of a sudden. So he has to put the pieces together in a way it's almost like he destroys the whole structure and then he has to kind of like figure yeah, out yeah. in his own right. Um, yeah, right 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 
It's called John in the Hole. It's opening on the 6th of August, thanks to IFC Films. I appreciate doing this with you and meeting you, and I have a feeling we will do it again. Yeah. On a future project, I hope. Mm -hmm. Yes, that too. Hopefully, we'll all be back to normal at one point, and we can get back to, to doing this again. Yeah. And I'll come in person you. next time. Exactly. And then maybe your next film I'll see in a theater and not that I can't, but right. Anyway, well, you can I, come down for the, for the weekend. Uh, exactly. All right. Well, good luck with it. And um, it was nice meeting you and you're heading back to Spain at some point soon, I assume. And... Yeah. Well, actually I was just there, so I'll, I'll stay put okay. for a while. Okay. Uh, no rush. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Adam. Thank you. Hi, this is Anna. This is Anna. Hi, this is Anna. Hi, this is Anna. Hi, this is Anna. I'm sorry. Thank you, everybody. Hope you have a great week ahead. We'll be back, of course, with a brand new episode next week. In the meantime, of course, please do visit our YouTube channel for more frequent content. I post, if not uh, most weekdays, I post a new video segment, which doesn't even make it onto the podcast. What better way to remain nice and cool and comfortable, but being in your car or at home uh, and turning on an episode of Film Wax Radio or watching one on YouTube. All right, youtube.com slash Film Wax Radio. This is your host, Adam Shartoff of Film Wax Radio. Until next time, take care of yourselves and the ones you love. I'm fixing a hole where the rain gets in and stops my mind from wandering where it I'm feeling the cracks that ran through the door and kept my mind from walking.